Good morning. morning. Merry Christmas. Uh, Really quick, uh, if you are a parent here uh, that has a small child, uh, you know what? We don't have nursery today, but, you know, if they're getting a little fisty, a little fussy, right, don't worry about it. It's, it's totally fine. It's, it's okay. Let them fuss, right? We love them, right? We, we don't want you to feel uncomfortable. And basically, Christy would tell me this, right? I mean, you know, that, you know that if I get a little fussy or whatever, it's fine. So just, it's going to be okay, all right? So we, we just want you guys to feel at home. I mean, literally, look, we're wearing pajamas today, right? I mean, I'm, I got sweats on. So this is... This is the best that I could do, all right? I, I'm still dealing with a little bit of stuff in my life, so I, I'm, I'm trying to work on it, right? And if, you, if you're new here today and, and uh, you're a first-time visitor, I am not the pastor, all right? Hey, the pastor's the guy in the monkey hat, all right? He's, he's, that's, that's the pastor, right? But uh, we, we, we love him. We love him to death. Um, so, it's Christmas Woohoo, looky there. It's working. All right. Um, you know, I, I feel very fortunate, very fortunate that uh, I can come into a church on a Sunday morning on Christmas Day and be with every one of you. I really, I really mean that. Um, it is probably one of the coolest things ever to be, to be in church on Christmas morning. I, I just don't... I, I, I can't express how happy, how excited I am, how, how love, the, the, the love that I feel. It's, it's just, it's, it's crazy. Look at everybody here. This is Christmas morning and you're at church, right? How exciting is that? And, and the pastor wanted me to speak today because he wanted you out here early, all right? So he's being gracious, being kind. Uh, really, he's going to be speaking after this, so he wouldn't be here all day. So... But that's fine, right? It's all good. Um, you know, there was a pastor, really quick, a pastor met a church member out in the community and asked him, you know, why did he not attend service on a regular basis? And the man replied, you know, because the sermons were just so-so, it seems like I heard it before, and that every time I go to church, I hear the same songs being sung over and over and over. And the pastor asked him, which songs are you referring to? And the man replied, right, well, he said, well, you know that song, Oh, Little Town of Bethlehem, What Child Is This? Well, the pastor kind of smiled and he says, hey, whether you're here, you know, every week or one time a year, right, we are glad that you are here, right? And, 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 and again, right, I am glad that you are here, uh, you know, but that song, right, What Child Is This? You know, the, the, this song, the, this, it talks, literally talks about, right, what kind of child Jesus was, and it says, I'm not going to sing it, praise the Lord, but I'm going to, I'm going to, this, this, that's not funny. I'm not trying to be funny, all right? So, so this, it says this, this is Christ the child whom shepherds guard and angels sing. The king of kings salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. Church, in order, in order to better understand, really understand who Christ is, and why the Father sent him here to this earth. You know, we're, we're going to kind of set up shop this morning in one verse. Just, just one verse of Scripture. But this verse of Scripture contains some really, really deep truths. And, and, but it also comes with a little danger. You know, and, and it's because it's so well known. It's so well known. And, and you may nod your head when you hear it, or you just may nod off. That, that happens sometimes when I speak. But, but you know, it's... It's been called the theme of the entire Bible, 
right? It's kind of the gospel in a nutshell. It's extremely popular, right? If I, when I typed this verse into Google, you know how many, you know how many references came up? 1.7 billion references, right? And this, and this verse only has 24 words. You know, if you watch sports, right, you've seen it referenced, right, on signs, and maybe you've seen it under the black of Tim Tebow's eyes, right? Anybody want to take a guess what verse it is? No, you're wrong. All right, so, no, no, you're totally right, right? You're totally right. It's working. All right, so John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Wow, right? It kind of says it all. You know, that there was a preacher, G. Morgan, that, that was intimidated by this passage, that he literally wrote these words. He says, this is a text I never attempt to preach on. Though I have gone around it and around it, it's just too big. And when I read it, there's really nothing left to say. But, but also like what Max Licato said about this verse, he says, if you know nothing of the Bible, start here in this verse. But if you know everything in the Bible, return here to this verse. We all need this reminder, church. We all need this reminder because the heart of the human problem is the heart of the human. You understand that? You know, and God's treatment for, for this problem that we have in our heart is right here. It's prescribed right here in John 3.16. You know, I, I, this is probably not one of the, uh, you probably probably come here for, you thought I was going to read Luke 2, and we would just kind of go through the Christmas message, but I truly believe that this is a great Christmas text, and so we're going to kind of unpack these verses, right, unpack this verse kind of phrase by phrase, and, you know, since we do this whole technology thing, you got to have an outline, right, so, so I, I, I tried to do somewhat of an outline, and we're going to kind of go through this, that God loves, and that God lavishes, and that we lean, and we live, and if you don't have time to write those down, we'll come back to them in a minute. But, but the very first one, right, God loves. And here's how it begins, right? For God so loved the world. The world. You know, that, the, the word for, right, introduces a, a clause or, or, or cause or a clause. And, uh, and, and I'm not, no, not Santa Claus, right? It's a C-L-A-U-S-E. But uh, that's a joke. So you could have laughed at that part, all right? Okay, all right. So, but it really puts the text into context, right? It, 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 if we go back a few verses, and you, you've read this chapter, I'm sure you have, but we, you know, it was, a during, it was during a time of Moses, and God was, God's people experienced kind of a plague, and as a result of provoking God, right, they, they were poisoned, uh, uh, they had these poisoned snakes, right, uh, uh, the poison of a snake in their veins, and all they had to do, right, was look at a pole with a bronze serpent, and that it, they wouldn't perish, Listen, listen to John 3, um, 14 and 15. And it says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, and whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Listen, God gave them a solution for their sinfulness. You know, it says, for God. This verse begins with God, right? This is precisely where the Bible itself begins, right? In the beginning, God, right, created the heavens and the earth. And, and of course, if you know uh, John 1, right, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Church, everything 
Everything this morning, right, begins with God. And guess what? It ends with God. You know, that the sooner we realize that this life is all about giving God the glory, right, not ourselves. Guess what? When you woke up this morning, even though my wife was just like, here, take all these presents, right? It's not about me. This morning is not about me. I only got three, but that's fine. But, so, but, but listen, it is not about me. We're better off when we realize that. And guess what? It's not about you. You know, it's all about him. You know, and I love that little word, so. You know, it's because it shows us that God doesn't love a little but a lot, right? The volume of his love is cranked up here. You know, the word love is the word agape, right? Literally, you cannot say the word agape with a sad face. Try it. Everybody say agape. Look how smiley you are, right? It is an awesome word. I love it. I can just go around going, agape, 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 agape. Seriously, right? No. Okay, well, I can. But it refers to the unconventional, right, covenant kind of love. You know, it's a verb. It's a, it's a meaning. Uh, uh, it, it's, the word is an action. You know, and notice that God loves the whole world. The whole world. I mean, this would have been some kind of shocking truth to the Jewish people at the time because they thought that God only loved them. But guess what, church? God loves Warsaw. God loves Lincoln. God loves the people in Coal Camp and Sedalia. He even loves the people in the Philippines. Hi, Pastor Carlo, if you're watching. Everybody turn around and say, hi, Carlo. He's probably not watching, but that's fine. But listen, he loves the refugees. He loves the rejected. He loves the little, he loves the least, he loves the lost, and he loves the powerful and the popular. He loves people from Iowa and Illinois. He even loves people in Kansas. Yeah, yeah, but listen, we all know Missouri's the promised land, but that's fine. You know, listen, he loves all the races, all the nationalities, you know, every ethnicity. God is not a bigot. God is not a racist. Listen, when the angel made his announcement to the shepherds, right in Luke 2, he says, Fear not, for behold, I bring good news of great joy that will be for all the people. All the people. Listen, Christmas drama is filled. This, the story is filled with all kinds of diversity from this upper class foreign astrologers all the way down to the lower class Jewish shepherds. You know, from, from the, the, cast, the cast of Christmas, right, was made up of all kinds of different generations, both genders. I mean, we had Mary and Joseph, these cute little teens, right, all the way to these really old Zachariah and Elizabeth and Cindy. And I mean, the, the senior citizens of the group, right? But, but it, it literally, don't be mad if you're a senior citizen. I'm so close right now. It's, it's fine, right? I, I'm okay with it. But listen, church, while you may not feel loved, I, you know what? We have a, a wonderful group in here today, but I bet you there's somebody in this group today that maybe throughout this week, you didn't feel quite as loved as you thought you should be. Listen, God loves you more. God loves you more than you could ever imagine. Right? You matter to the majesty. You truly do. You know, he takes, the scripture says he takes delight in you. He takes delight in you no matter what you've done. He loves you no matter how you have been living. You know, he treasures you in spite of any transgressions. Um, Max Lucado writes, right, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. Right? 
How cool is that? Could you imagine? I mean, God's pretty big, so he's got to have a big refrigerator, right? Imagine Pastor Daniel's faces right there on it, right? right? How, how cool would that be, right? It, it would be weird, I know. But so, but listen, when Martin Luther, what Martin Luther was translating the Bible into German, a printer carelessly allowed a section to fall on the floor of the shop. And one day, the printer's daughter came in and seen a little piece of paper, and she picked it up. You know, what she found these words, God so loved the world that he gave. And that was all that was on it. And, uh, and, and she treasured these words, it said, because she had been told that God was only to be feared and could only be approached through the acts of penance. You know, but she kept reading these words day after day after day, and her whole continent started to change. She became joyful, and people around her noticed a difference. And her mother asked her what was going on, so the girl handed her this crumpled up piece of paper, and she read it, and her mom was just perplexed, and, and she said, he gave? He gave what? And, and it said that the girl hesitated for just a minute, and then she replied, she's like, I don't know. But if he loved us well enough to give us anything, we need not to be afraid of him. Church, this morning, don't be afraid of God. He loves you that much. You know, God has given us so much, but the best gift, right, is the gift of his son. And that is what today is all about. He set forth a plan from the beginning of time for this day. He knew that you were going to be at this church this day for this time for this reason for some reason, God puts you here, and he wants you to know that you are loved. But he also, God lavishes. You know, the, the, the next phrase helps us to see that God loves us so much that he lavishes on us with the gift of his son. And he says that he gave his only son. You know, it is the season of gift giving. You know, but let's not forget, right, that Jesus Christ is the greatest gift ever given. You know, Isaiah 9, uh, 6 says the Son is given. But also in 1 John 4, 9 and 10, it says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son for the propitiation for our sins. You know, most of us know, right, that little baby Jesus, you know, he was, he was born in Bethlehem. But Bethlehem was also this birthplace of the king, King David. And as a boy, right, David tended the sheep on some hills. And to this day, shepherds still tend to their sheep on the very same hills. But this little town of Bethlehem was also known as the house of bread. And, of course, we know, right, that Jesus is the bread of life, Scripture says. But it's also known as the house of meat. And it's because Bethlehem was located just, or is located just six miles from the temple in Jerusalem. And it's also where, where the fields were full of sheep ripe for slaughter and sacrifice. You know, the, the center of spiritual life in Judaism was around slaughtering of animals. And every day, right, every day, two lambs were sacrificed to, in the temple. That's 730 lambs each year. In addition to thousands of other lambs that was needed for the Passover and then for just all kinds of other of these crazy rituals, uh, religious rituals. But the day after the final Passover, 
Shepherds from Bethlehem drove thousands of lambs into Jerusalem for sacrifice. We call this day Palm Sunday. And listen to what one writer wrote. He says, there were two possessions on the first Palm Sunday. One was an unwilling possession, uh, processions of thousands of perfect lambs headed into the city by Bethlehem shepherds. The other was a willing possession of the one perfect lamb of God who will take away the sins of this world. You know, these, these special shepherds, they followed these kind of special techniques that for the lambs that they knew were going to be taken to this, to this slaughtering. You know, to prevent harm and, and, and self-injury and from thrashing about after birth with their spindly little lamb legs, right? I've never been around a little one, but some of these people have, right? Uh, but they, 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 they prevented uh, harm and self-injury by, by, by wrapping these up, right? By, by swaddling them in clothes. And they placed them either in a manger or a feeding trough until they calmed down. Listen, church, the, the shepherds who gathered around Bethlehem's stable where the Lamb of God was born, where they, wit- they were not witnessing anything new in their life except for who was in that manger, the most important sacrificial lamb who had ever been born. And that lamb who closed down all of the slaughterhouses of sacrifice because it was the perfect Lamb of God. Friends, God gave his son for this final sacrifice. That he was born in order to die. And do you know what time Jesus died upon the cross? I know we know we have some of them here. But, but it was the ninth hour. It, it was basically three o'clock in the afternoon. And it was the exact time that the Passover lamb would have been sacrificed in the temple. God has a perfect plan, and it is down to the very second, church. You know, the, the, the phrase, his only son, is very significant here. And it's the idea that Jesus is unique, that he was the one and only son of God. You know, some other translations use the word begotten. I grew up memorizing, you know, the begotten and the whosoevers, you know. But, but you know, I, I heard a young boy one time, you know, he was repeating it, and he's when he came to this part, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only forgotten son. You know, there's more truth to that than what he probably realized at the time. You know, it's easy for us to truly forget about the Son of God sometimes. You know, instead of forgetting, we are called to put our faith in the Father's only Son. His only Son. This ultimate sacrifice that he sent for us. And then we need to lean. You know why it's, why it's helpful to know, right, that God's love, that he loves us and he lavishes upon us. We also need to lean into him. The, that whoever or whosoever believes in him, you know, I'm glad for the word whoever. Because I'm a whoever. You are a whoever. The world is full of whoever's, Right? You know, which means everyone. He offers his salvation to whoever, which literally means you. If you are here and think that you, there is no way. Man, I just come to church today because, ah, my family drug me here. And Listen, you are here for a reason because you are whoever. God literally sent his son for you because he loves you that much. You know, he loves the whole mass of people. He loves me in my mess. He loves me. And my wife can say, that is a miracle in itself, right? 
that God can love me. Knowing that what kind of a knucklehead I was going to be, right, back in the early 90s. I know I don't look that old, but I am. So, listen, the word believe is quite rich too. You know, many years ago, uh, a Bible translator on a little island just outside of Australia was struggling to find the proper word for believe when he was going through, this, going through John 3.16. But he came across a, 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 he came a, um, across a solution accidentally while he was literally hunting with the tribesmen. I read this in a hunting book. But, but, but after bagging a large deer and carrying the pole uh, across this big mountain, around the side of it, and this cliffs, and you know, they finally got back to the village and their home, and they plopped it up. They propped the deer uh, um, up on a porch of some cheers. And as they did, one of the natives explained in their language, he's like, my, it's good to stretch yourself out here and rest. And the translator immediately reached for his paper and pencil and recorded the phrases that ended up in their translation for John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever, whosoever stretched himself out on him should not perish but have everlasting life. When we lean on the Lord, church, he literally gives us life. You know, stretch out on Christ, church, and literally find some rest in your life. You know, to, to, to believe means to trust in, to, to rely on, to lean into. That's what Scripture is saying. He, God is really wanting us to lean into the Lord when times get rough. When, when you think that this world is trying to continually drag you down and, and just make you so tired, God says, I'm right here. Lean into me. You know, many times that I remember the kids growing up, right, that, that they would get tired. And what did they do when they're sitting next to you? Kind of like Sterling's doing, just lean into his mom, right? He's getting rest. That's cute. But anyway, but, you know, the idea is fully surrendering to the Savior. You know, to, to give yourself up to him, to take yourself out of your own keeping and entrust into his keeping. Church, faith is believing that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says that he will do. You know, some of us expect something, some kind of salvation that's more complicated. I believe that. I believe there's people, maybe in this room, that think, ah, salvation is just, it has to be more complicated than that, right? It has to be more sophisticated, right? I don't know why I said it like that, but... but that's how some people believe that it has to. But the Bible, doesn't the Bible say God helps those who help themselves? No, right? It doesn't say that, but we hear that all the time, right? You know, the Bible does not say that. We cannot help ourselves, okay? We can't. We cannot help ourselves. Our good works don't work. It just does not work. You know, being good is not good enough because no one is good enough. Listen, my wife literally walks on water, but she is still not good enough to get into heaven. She'd be like, mm-mm, God be like, nope, 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 you just go right away. No, we have to realize that. You know, the issue is not right behavior. It's in right belief. That's the issue. The only way for sinners to be saved is by repenting and receiving the Savior, right? By leaning on the Lord Jesus Christ, church. John 1.12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the rights to become children of God. How many children of God do we have here this morning? 
The other, we got half of you. So half of you listen to the rest. The rest of you can go eat. All right. So, no, no, sit. Okay. Listen, observe also that, you know, not everyone will benefit from what Christ has done because the offer is universal, but the application is inclusive. You know, that, you know, salvation is only through Jesus Christ and it only applies for those who believe and have received it into their hearts. God loves and God lavishes. And church, he wants you to lean upon him this morning. And finally, we live. You know, I love this, this verse, how it ends. It's just, thou shalt <clears throat> shall not perish, but have eternal life. You know, would you notice that the only negative aspect of this verse comes in this in this phrase, right? To perish. Literally means to be separated from God. It means H-E double hockey sticks. That's what it means. It means hell. You know, I know what you're saying, James. This is supposed to be a Christmas message, right? This is supposed to be uplifting. You know, it's it's it, we're supposed to just be smiling. The church. God threw a butt in here. It says, you know, because I, I love the word but because it shows a contrast. It says, we don't have to perish. It says, but instead have eternal life. You know what? Most of us receive Christmas cards. Some people still do that, right? Send out Christmas cards. And Anybody do that still in here? All right, three. I didn't get one from you. All right, but anyway, that's fine. But no. You know, you, you get these Christmas cards that say peace on earth and, and joy to the world or maybe some secular, you know, about season's greetings. But have you ever gotten a Christmas caption that says, saved from hell? What? No, because guess what? I have been saved from hell because of what happened on Christmas. Why, you know, Jesus came to this earth and, and made a way for me, not to be able to spend eternity away from God. That is the ultimate Christmas card, church. Church, I love everyone in here, but what you do with Jesus, what you do with Emmanuel will determine where you spend eternity. You know, we, we, we've looked at uh, verse, uh, John 3.16, but now really quickly, let's, let's ponder what comes after that in verse 17. It says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. You know, Jesus was sent on this search and save mission, right? Jared would say, He Navy sealed it, right? You know? You know, he, he did not come to condemn, but to convert sinners. Ezekiel 18, 23 says, Have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked? God is saying, have I any pleasure in just throwing away the sinners, declares the Lord, not, and not, rather than he should turn from his ways and what? Live. Church, God wants you to live here this morning. And says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. This, this verse right teaches us two surprising truths, that if you believe in Christ, you won't be condemned, but if, but if you don't believe, then you're condemned already. The only way to avoid this devastating 
consequence is to have faith in Jesus Christ, church. Who literally stood in place for you. That took your place upon a cross. We all deserved it. But he did it for us. You know, if you're saved, you will not perish, but instead have eternal life. You know, I like that, that little word there, have, because it literally means to have and to hold and to, to literally have in your hands that you can feel it. It's real. Trust me, the salvation that I have in my life is so real that I can touch it. I can feel it. I know what God has done in my life. Church, I want everybody in this room to be able to experience that, to have that in their life this Christmas morning. John 5, 24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Listen, church, I'm more sinful than I ever thought I would believe. But I'm more loved than I've ever dared to imagine. You know, God gave the word in order to save the world. And that means whoever, right? And that means you. You know, a young boy once came up to a missionary and said, Hey, I love you, and I got you a little present. And, and he, he, put, he pulled from his straw little basket this beautiful shell. And he handed it to the missionary, and the missionary was kind of looking at it, and she's like admiring its beauty. And, and she, she realized that this special shell only was found on the very far side of the island that they were on. And when she asked the boy about this journey, because this journey was like, like a half a day's walk, and, and the little boy smiled and says, long walk, part of gift. Do you get that? You know, this is crucial to Christmas. It's this truth, that God loved the world so much that he made that long walk. That he literally come down to us whenever we could not go to him. You know, when, when it was possible, when it was impossible for us to reach out to him, he literally reached down to us. You know, God loves, he lavishes. Let's lean on him, church, this morning so that we can live. You know, the, the, the greater context of this text in John chapter 3, the, we, where we have, you read about the encounter of the man named Nicodemus, right, and Jesus. And uh, I guess since it's Christmas Day, we'll call him Old St. Nick. But, uh, you know, but, but actually, that was a joke again. You could, but, so, so, okay, we'll call him Old Sinner Nick. So, but he, you know, he came to Jesus at the night because, you know, he did not want his buddies to kind of to see that he was on this spiritual journey, this searching for, 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 for something different in his life. And when he finds Christ, he pays him this ultimate compliment, but then immediately Jesus literally rocks his world because he says in John 3, 3, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Church, everyone in this room has been born one time. You, 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 were, you had a physical birth in order that you would have life. But I pray before you leave here this morning that you have a spiritual birth and so that you will be able to live eternity. Listen, I want to party with you guys in heaven, right? I want to worship our king with you in heaven. 
I'm excited about that. I want you guys to be excited about that. This is Christmas morning. Put a smile on your face if Jesus is in your heart. All right? Okay. Well, that's, that's fine. But, you know, I love what uh, Corey Ten Boone once said. It says, you know, if Jesus was born a thousand times in Bethlehem and not in me, then I would still be lost. You know, it's time today to, uh, to make sure that Jesus is literally born in you. You know, so we can really truly say today is a Merry Christmas. If everybody would just stand up for a second, head bowed, eyes closed. This is going to be a time of reflection. A time whenever really whatever the Holy Spirit, whatever God is trying to, to lay upon your heart. God, he, I truly believe that this message was here for somebody. That God truly is speaking to somebody. That God truly wants to let you know that he loves you so much. That he cares for you so much. That he literally sent his son so that you might actually have joy and true life. Maybe you're thinking, man, I don't even know what to say. I I, I don't even know how to get this joy in my life. Maybe you just want to repeat this thing in your head. Say, I don't understand how you can accept me when I've, what I've done, how I've messed up. But I get it now that you love me so lavishly that you sent your son to die for my sins on the cross. And that I confess that I am a sinner. And I turn from my ways to your ways. I need you to be my savior. You are the Christ, the Son of a living God. I desire to live under your Lordship for the rest of my life. And thank you for not only being born, but for dying in my place and rising again so that I can be born again. I lean into you now by faith so that I can live with you forever. Make me the person you want me to be. The altar's open if you need to come and just lay something down or just thank God for what he has done in your life.